Ideas matter. Ideas matter. This is dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. In China's first winter without COVID-19 restrictions in three years, hospitals in China have reported a surge in respiratory illness, especially among children in northern China. The World Health Organization has concluded following an investigation that the infections are caused by known pathogens. How concerning is the current outbreak? Does the situation mirror what happened last year in many parts of the world at the end of the COVID pandemic? And are the mitigation measures such as mask wearing to blame for the uptake of cases? To help us answer these questions and more, I'm joined by Dr. Alice Tan, internist at Ms. Maddie Women's Hospital, and Wu Jiwei, professor and director of the Center for Public Health Research at the Medical School of Nanjing University, and Dr. Christopher Xu, consultant in respiratory and critical care medicine of COVID-19 task force. Welcome to Dialogue. Uh, Professor Wu, I will start with you. Uh, you know, uh, the, the question is like for people who are outside China, you know, like what is the situation on the ground? You know, people do see pictures on the internet, for example, of uh, packed hospitals or clinics, you know, uh, with young uh, patients over there. So how serious is it? Well, um in the major cities, definitely this is the case. Uh, if you go in, into a children's clinic or children's hospitals, you do see a lot of kids actually getting sick and they are attending um, uh, uh, clinics and seeing doctors. So uh, this is actually a pretty uh, crowded situation in many children's hospitals. I actually uh, went around the last week uh, in some hospital in Nanjing, and you can see the situation is uh, quite um, uh, dire. You, you can see that uh, lots of children getting sick. So uh, clearly, uh, this is the, the, the case. I think uh, if you go outside of the major cities, I heard that the situation is very similar. Um, not only the children, but the adults as well. And you can see that a lot of adults also getting sick. Um, like in my uh, institution, you see a lot of young um, adults actually uh, getting sick. They take leaves uh, from the, uh, the university. So I think this is a situation across the country, not only in northern China. Uh, I'm living in the southern part of China. Uh, this is um, something which we haven't seen in the past. Okay, uh, Dr. Alice uh, Tan, so, uh, you know, from uh, where you are, if you look at the situation and the happening in China, and uh, so what's your observation? Here in South Korea, we are seeing uh, a similar but perhaps not quite as dire a picture. In other words, uh, during the 46th week of the epidemiological year, that correlates to the third week of November, we saw 37.4% uh, uh, cases of ILI, in other words, influenza-like illness. Uh, this is compared to same time last year, it was 13.2%, so more than a three, uh, threefold increase. Typically, um, the ILI rates at this time of year are less than 10%. And so certainly we are seeing an increase in influenza-like illnesses in the community. We're also seeing an increase in uh, serious acute respiratory illness cases as well. According to the uh, KDCA, that's our um, health 
uh, organization. Uh, there were 355 cases reported during the 47th week. That's the um, uh, data from the last, uh, most current data. This is compared to same time last year, it was 223 cases. In previous years, pre-pandemic, right around this time, it was 258. So we are seeing more both um, non-severe and severe cases of acute respiratory illness at this time of year. It is, it is unusual. Of course, it's not at, uh, say, pandemic influenza levels during the 2009-2010 swine flu uh, pandemic, the, the rates of ILI were, were quite high, 46, almost 50%. So we're not quite at that level, but it is unusual. And I will mention that last year during our flu season, we had a peak during the winter, we had another peak in the spring, but what was unusual is we never went down to baseline in terms of our ILI or influenza-like illness cases. And so we're going into this 2023-2024 uh, flu season with already a high baseline of uh, influenza-like illness cases. And so when we hit our peak, which is typically at the end of December, early January, I'm afraid we may see even more cases. And, and that's my concern right now. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Dr. Christopher Xu, uh, what's the observation? So do you, are you as concerned as uh, you know, Dr. Tan uh, about the seriousness and also probably it's yet to peak? Thank you, and uh, good morning from the uh, Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons in Glasgow. Um, I, I agree overall with what's been said already uh, by our, our expert colleagues. Um, certainly in Hong Kong and Southeast Asia, we've seen an uptick in the uh, uh, prevalence, the pres pre presentation of uh, influenza-like illnesses, um, predominantly uh, subtypes such as uh, RSV, so respiratory syncytial virus, uh, flu A, uh, of which locally we're seeing uh, more of the H3 variants. Um, but again, this is within what we would expect for a winter flu season. I, I think, as you mentioned at the beginning, because of a uh, reduction in the vigilance of social distancing and mask wearing, for example, um, together with a degree of vaccine focus on COVID over the last year and the previous months, um, perhaps the, the level of, of awareness um, and and vaccine or immunity cover in the in the in the population is perhaps a, a little bit lower than it would be otherwise, um, but certainly not not outside of our our expectations uh, for the for the for the season. Mm. Uh, well, uh, Professor Wu, you know, back to you here. Uh, of course, according to the WHO, said saying that the spike of cases uh, is caused by a common winter infections rather than any new pathogens. I mean, that's uh, probably comfortable for a lot of people uh, to know that. Uh, but still, as you said, you know, if you look at the cases and intensity, it seems a bit unusual. Uh, some would uh, ascribe that to, you know, to the so-called dead immunity or, you know, uh, uh, immunity dead or immune naive because of uh, over the past three years, you know, people wearing masks basically cutting, uh, you know, uh, off the chances of any infection. So somehow people are losing uh, their ability you know, to be immune from uh, new viruses. Is that the case? Well, I I think, yeah. yeah, I think that definitely is a possibility, but uh, we probably do not know the, uh, the, 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 uh, you know, the reason for sure. I mean, it's clearly that in the past three years, people basically focused on taking the, um, 
taking the COVID-19 vaccination, but um, a lot of people do not or did not take uh, flu vaccines. And also after three years of uh, mask wearing, uh, people actually uh, did not uh, have much contact with the flu and the RSV and other viruses. So um, as we open up the society, open up the restrictions on flu pre prevention, uh, COVID-19 prevention, definitely uh, when people are encountered the flu virus, RSV, and also mycoplasma pneumonia, um, this probably would give you um, more infection and more severe symptoms. But I mean, it's a good news is that we don't see any new pathogens. If you look at the, according to China CDC, that in the small children, like one to four years old, mainly it's the flu virus and also the rhinovirus. In the uh, young adolescents, mostly actually it's the flu virus and uh, um, Mycoplasma pneumonia, and also in some cases, uh, uh, adenovirus infections. So it's it's actually is quite common for this season. It's not a surprise. Yeah. Uh, I agree with uh, uh, the previous uh, speakers. Uh, well, Professor Wu, you know, also a WHO official said the current spike in uh, respiratory illness in China is not as high as before the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, is that a surprise to you? Well, I think it, um, it's not as high as the uh, pre-pandemic period. I think that the, what we are surprised is that it's uh, the case is more concentrated within a very short period. So that's why you see a surge in the hospital attendings and also that put the pressure in the hospital. That actually exacerbates the situation and when people are actually uh, have some fevers they, they they become panic and flock into the hospitals this is something what we saw uh, like in Nanjing in, in my university affiliate hospitals actually many people are just having some mild symptoms they come into the hospital I mean this is just the increase the possibility of getting crossing infections so I think this is a more kind of, you know, um, a panic reaction in certain cases. So that's why we give out the advice that when people have a mild uh, symptoms, do not come into the hospital, just the rest in the home, take a lot of food. And then, you know, in one or two weeks, particular upper respiratory tract infections, it will go away. Mm -hmm. It will go away. Uh, so, Dr. Alice Tan, um, you mentioned about the situation in uh, South Korea. And here we know uh, the situation in China. And uh, uh, Dr. Xu also talked about Hong Kong, you know, situation in uh, southern China. You know, probably that is not as cold as in northern China. We do hear also other reports like in Denmark, in some parts of the U.S. Uh, so it's, it's, it's like it's not restricted to one city or one country now. Yes, I agree. There, as you said, there are some countries in Scandinavia, Denmark, Sweden that are seeing increases not just in uh, infections, but hospitalizations due to uh, acute respiratory illnesses. Um, we're seeing other regions around the world, um, Russia, for example, um, countries that sort of escaped, um, say, COVID-19 uh during the pandemic which would be um, african nations that are seeing increases in COVID activity also other uh um, acute respiratory illness activity uh i think what are the one of the differences though is perhaps not just um the fact that we're seeing more cases but the pattern seems to have changed a little bit in terms of the timing so um compared to previous years the typical winter surge, say, for example, last year, uh, moved, which shifted up. And so it appeared that there were 
uh, you know, a big surge in cases, but if you looked at the total number, uh, there wasn't so much of a difference. Um, so right now in terms of the 2023-2024 uh, acute respiratory illness season, um, things are just getting started. I think we need to see what happens um, going forward in terms of the spread of infections um, in different countries around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Dr. Christopher Xu, you know, the Chinese uh, health authorities uh, have uh, attributed to, you know, the rise in um, pediatric pneumonia cases to uh, earlier we mentioned about, uh, you know, amnemonia. Tell us, you know, what is uh, amnemonia and uh, what about the symptoms there? As, as Professor Wu has already mentioned, uh, mycoplasma and the uh, infections that are affecting uh, certain populations at the moment, they often start with a, a viral upper respiratory tract infection or an influenza-like illness. Um, from our perspective, this is very much population based and and i think a lot a, a big factor for respiratory pathogens and the transmission is related to population density so previously where you were looking at all other other areas of the world um i, I think a lot has to do with the 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 prevailing uh, density of the local population. And so, so places like um, some of the, the uh, primary cities in China and, and uh, Hong Kong as well, where we track through our Center for Health Protection, we, we do see an uptick in the numbers. Um, of course, as has been mentioned already, a lot of this is treatable. The patients are, are recovering and they're recovering well. And so really it's down to um, the health services and our colleagues to, to take good care of, of these uh, individuals, these patients who present to, to hospital. Um, again, I think it's important to stress that this is within our uh, awareness of what is expected for a winter uh, respiratory uh, season. And I think what really is, is quite different this time compared to, say, three years ago, is the awareness that at the patient side, uh, so family and, and, and members of, of the public will be very aware to present early. Um, but also that our diagnostic techniques are much improved now. So we have PCR, so rapid testing and uh, polymerase chain reaction, which allows us to pinpoint the respiratory pathogen uh, almost within a, a few short hours of presentation. So for my own patients, for example, when they come in, we can do a PCR panel and we can normally pinpoint the respiratory pathogen very quickly. And I think that's changed dramatically in the last few years. So uh, that's uh, obviously reassuring for a lot of people, I guess. Uh, so Dr. Yeah. Alice Tan, you know, uh, do you see, you know, uh, let's say the principal factor um, behind the rise of the infections, uh, either in China or South Korea or other parts of the world, they are the same with so-called like M pneumonia? Um, mycoplasma pneumonia, we do see cases like that. Here in Korea, we saw uh, a pretty big surge in influenza cases among children. And what was a little bit unusual is we had cases of what we were calling stealth pneumonia, uh, stealth influenza. In other words, the child was infected with influenza and instead of having the typical uh, symptoms, all of a sudden high fever, muscle aches, headache, maybe some gastrointestinal symptoms like uh, diarrhea, um, they had a lingering cough for several days um, and they felt really not too bad. And so the problem, of course, is when you have this sort of what we call a walking pneumonia or a picture, they're infected and they are infectious, 
but they felt feel well enough to be uh, in the community. They are going to school, they're going to daycare, and then of course they're spreading the infection uh, widely. And so we did have a picture earlier, um, end of October, where there were some uh, schools where uh, half the students were were missing because they were out with the flu. Um, in terms of mycoplasma cases, uh, uh, similar um, in terms of what we're seeing, mostly they are mild self-limited cases. I will mention, however, that uh, we need to be very careful about um, mycoplasma pneumonia cases uh, that may have antibiotic resistance um, that has been noticed, um, including in China. And so if there's a case where it just, um, the child is not responding well uh, to what we would consider first line antibiotics, that is something to consider. And we wanna make sure that we don't have a spread of uh, mycoplasma that has um, antibiotic resistance because mm. it makes it more difficult to treat. More, yeah, more difficult to treat uh, the disease there. Uh, but before I touch upon the resistance part, uh, uh, Professor Wu, I want to ask you, like uh, in, the, in the Chinese institution here, you may, earlier you mentioned about, you know, not only children, but also adults, uh, they are affected, uh, you know, obviously uh, by the, by the, you know, either virus or bacteria here. Of course, people call it walking uh, pneumonia because uh, yes, you you know you may get affected, but uh, you can still work. You have a you know, normal life. It's not serious to be hospitalized. What about the Chinese situation? Is there anything unusual about the infection? I, I don't really see anything unusual. Um, it's uh, mostly pretty much as w what we expected. And uh, uh, many people, most of people actually have uh, uh, developed the mild uh, symptoms like coughing and the fever, um, and also uh, tiring, um, you know, uh, dizziness as well. So otherwise, uh, in the first few days, actually, um, certain, uh, some patient actually developed a kind of uh, short breath. I've, uh, overall, I think uh, those symptoms are quite common, although this time uh, the the people who I know actually develop uh, or in getting infected actually, sometimes they have recurring uh, fever. This is something actually um, uh, seem to be something we did not see before. So, um, but uh, as far as I know in the clinic, that, uh, people are mostly recovered within one week. So I, I guess, you know, this is pretty much normal. When they take a test, uh, most of them actually are either flu or in some children the RSV infections. And I haven't seen in the adults they have uh, mycoplasma pneumonia infections. In children, they do have uh, a rhinovirus infections as well. Mm -hmm. So um, mostly the, those are acute uh, upper respiratory tract infections, although few actually uh, develop a more severe uh, lower uh, respiratory tract infection and the lung infections too. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the good news is like it's treatable and it can be treated, um, you know, uh, Dr. Tan, as you mentioned, but you, you talked about uh, you know, resistance to medicine. Uh, what do we have available right now? Uh, I guess you talk about the situation in South Korea. I mean, in China, uh, Chinese doctors are also talking about a warning that uh, the resistance level, for example, in China is pretty high, you know, 70% or 90%. That's really worrying. Uh, a concern, what's the response, what's the advice, you know, uh, probably for the medical community or for the parents, you know, uh, in terms of reduce this kind of resistance there? Right, so there's a concept called antibiotic uh, steward, stewardship. In other words, 
both patients and the medical community, we, we need to be responsible when we are prescribing uh, antibiotics and also uh, when we're taking antibiotics. So um, we say it's important to take the right medicine, the right dose for the right duration. Um, there was a concern that uh, people got word that uh, an antibiotic such as azithromycin was the um, right treatment for mycoplasma. And so anytime uh, a, a person felt a little bit sick, like they had a cold, they might want be tempted to take azithromycin, but it may not be, uh, their infection may not be mycoplasma. It might be uh, a viral infection. And so they're taking the wrong treatment and then increasing um, the probability of, of a resistance strain uh, happening. And so um, this is a really important message is um, people should not take antibiotics or antiviral medications without uh, consulting with the physician first. And when you do get prescribed, make sure you take it the entire course for the prescribed duration. Don't just stop in the middle if you uh, feel better after one or two days, because that's that's not going to be enough to completely um, kill off the, the pathogen, the, the bad bacteria or the, or the virus. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, Dr. Xu, uh, Christopher, you here, you know, what, what's the treat, usual treatment? What's the practice? You, you mentioned that probably we have the antibiotics to treat the disease. And uh, at the same time, uh, what about the resistance rate, for example, in where you are in Hong Kong? Uh, is it any different from other parts of China or other parts of the world? Uh, yes. So the first thing to say is I, I think I agree with what Dr. Tan has said already about anti biotic stewardship. This is very important um, wherever we work and, and wherever we live. And certainly uh, China and, and Hong Kong has made great steps in, in this direction over the last decade um, in reducing the use of, of antibiotics in the secondary and tertiary care settings and, and extending out to primary care now as well. Um, in, in terms of studies from the 80s and 90s, uh, we were aware that mycoplasma pneumonia had resistance levels uh, to a specific class of antibiotics called macrolides um, that went up to, as you said, uh, about 70 to 90 percent in, in different studies uh, in different communities. And so we've been aware of this problem for some time. Um, as my colleagues have already mentioned, what's really what is really important is that we are treating the correct uh, condition and that we have the right diagnostic tools available to us now so that we're, we're not over-treating, for example, viral upper respiratory tract infections with antibiotics. Certainly in, in my time as chief of service at the University of Hong Kong Shenzhen Hospital in the southern part of China in Guangdong province, uh, we took the headline rate of um, antibiotic use stewardship-wise from about 14.9% of all patients coming into the hospital down to about 7.8%. So a half, uh, halving the level of antibiotic use in the in the prevailing presentations. Now, now this was not measured or studied during a, 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 a peak sort of winter season. But certainly, I, I think the principles are, are sound and that I, I know my colleagues are very aware of this issue and that they will be practicing very carefully not to over-prescribe anti antibiotics. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Zhi Wei, uh, Professor Wu, what, what's the situation in, in, you know, in the mainland, uh, for example, in prescribing the antibiotics, uh, in avoiding the overuse, for example, 
uh, or the abuse of antibiotics for by the patients. I'm thinking in the main line that the the use of antibiotics uh, uh, now is much much better guarded uh, than it used to be. Um, so basically what you can see is that because the hospitals utilize all sorts of diagnostic tools like PCR as Chris just mentioned that so they could pin down whether this is a bacterial infection or, or, or viral infection. So that actually gave the uh, physicians a, a tool, uh, you know, to prescribe whether, um, uh, you know, patients should use antibiotics or just use antivirals. So this is a, an, a tremendous advancement in terms of for um, limiting the uh, the drug resistant uh, bacteria. The other thing is that I noticed that in some clinics or in some settings, people utilize the point of care uh, diagnostic tool, which actually is much less sensitive and accurate. Uh, like POCT, what we uh, we call it, the people utilize that for uh, uh, flu virus detection. So basically, we know that POCT for flu detection is very insensitive because it's only very uh, low percentage. Some study shows that only twenty or thirty percent actually it's uh, uh, can be detected. So. It, it, when people utilize that kind of uh, uh, test method, when they turn out to be negative, they thought, okay, I'm bacterially infected, so they take antibiotics. This is a bad thing in terms of um, limiting the, the, uh, the, the drug-resistant bacteria. So, so this is a very important for people to take accurate, reliable uh, diagnostic and then uh, make their decision to utilize uh, antibiotics. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Tan, you know, a, a final word, like uh, we, can't, uh, we couldn't overstress the uh, vaccination you know, during the pandemic period for people, you know, to get vaccinated. Uh, uh, now, you know, we are facing different bacteria and viruses, uh, you know, RSV or, you know, uh, the influenza or other kinds of bacterial viruses. Uh, do we still need to do the same vaccination? And also, uh, you know, what's your suggestion for parents who are worried about their children? Uh, right. So vaccination is the best way to prevent uh, infectious diseases caused by viruses. So we're talking influenza. I think China may soon have a vaccine against RSV. My understanding is that it's in development. They do have it in the United States. Um, uh, and then, so influenza, RSV, uh, these can be prevented with very effectively with vaccination. And so getting that message out to parents in terms of it's important for the child to go in for their well baby, well child visits and get their what we call their routine childhood vaccinations. But don't forget the seasonal illnesses as well. Um, and uh, even though people may feel a little bit of vaccine fatigue because we've spoken so much about COVID vaccines, it's so important uh, not to forget about these seasonal respiratory illnesses that can be prevented. Well, with that, we come to the end for today's show. Many thanks to our guests. You can also find us on the CGTN app on YouTube. Thank you for being with us. Uh, I'm Xu Qingdu.